everybody. It is almost Super Bowl Sunday, and so many athletes are now turning to completely plant-based diets to improve their performance. And uh, Tom Brady, I think, comes first on that list. Uh, Tom Brady is the, the ageless quarterback, and he is still playing at the top. He's at the absolute top of his game. And also, we're going to have Jim Loomis on the air. Uh, Jim Loomis is the head of the Barnard Medical Center. Uh, you may not know this, but Jim used to be, when he was in St. Louis, he was the Cardinals team doc, St. Louis Rams also, and also the symphony, if, if uh, being in an orchestra is a contact sport, I'm not so sure. So let me turn it over to the weight loss champion and my personal hero, Chuck Carroll. Thank you, Dr. Barnard. I thought it would be interesting, given that this episode is called Vegan Sports, to venture to Ashburn, Virginia. That's where the Washington Redskins have their training facility. I went one-on-one with their safety, DJ Swearinger, who is primarily plant-based. Had an opportunity to talk to him about a lot of things, but he said most importantly that the injuries, the toll of the season, not nearly as great because of his diet course they also have a vitamix and a smoothie station there for him so i had him make me a smoothie it's an interesting conversation and i hope that you enjoy it dj swearinger appreciate you taking the time man yes, sir. now you are one of the healthiest guys in the nfl that's the word on the street right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i guess so 26 years old you haven't always been too healthy with your eating though right so not at all how'd you how'd you come about all of this um i came about it uh airberry airberry beat his cancer um he basically was his testimony for for beating his cancer was a lot of his diet you know the doctor said his diet was so strong that it basically helped him beat off his cancer that he had um that was in 2015 and uh once once he told me that and um I basically went to basically his same diet in 2015, um, chicken and fish, um, staying away from fried foods and things like that. And um, sort of over the years, you know, I just sort of shortly but surely just weeded out the fish, weeded out the, tur- not the fish, but weeded out the, the chicken and the turkey and um, just went totally to try to go plant-based. Right, and you were telling me that uh, that your girlfriend, your yes. fiance, yes. Uh, she she's pretty, into nutrition as well, right? Yeah, she's huge into nutrition. And um, that's how I get a lot of my, you know, a lot of my foods from her. She'll research them. she like, like with the proteins and stuff like that, she, she really, you know, researches a lot on how I can get a lot of the protein with me playing football and not eating, you know, the, the, the meat and right. the chicken or whatever. Right, right. So, you know, she helps me a lot with that. Let me ask you this, because, you know, talking to Trent Williams earlier this year, he went vegan during training camp. He yep. said he, he couldn't sustain it because yeah. he just couldn't keep the weight on. But, you know, you're not playing the line. You're a safety, uh-huh. so it's a little bit easier for yep. you, right? Yep, yep, it is. It is. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, bigger guys, you know, they you know, tend to have to be a little bigger. You know, I'm a smaller guy, so my weight didn't, didn't really uh, – go go south on me like that um my biggest thing my weight went down when i started the chicken and fish in 2015 you know i was about 215 and uh, when i did that i got down about 20 206 205 and i've um, been around that that weight ever since and um this year uh eliminating everything else put me around about 202 so 
my way is fine. And coaches are okay with that? Training staff oh, is yeah. cool oh, with yeah. that? Oh, yeah. As long as I'm making plays, man, they good. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about that. I mean, have you noticed a boost in your performance now that you've got your diet cleaned up? Um, I noticed a boost in, like, my energy. You know, my energy is definitely different. You know, I don't have those, like, those saggy days anymore. Like, you know, oh, man, I wish I could stay in the bed. You know, I never have that. My energy is always good. Um, stomach cramps don't really have those, you know. Um, I just feel fresh, you know. I feel way better than I once did. I'd imagine it also helps with recovery time as well. Oh, right? yes, for sure. And I think that's one big thing that has helped me a lot. Um, you know, with um, just from researching and doctors and stuff, a lot of the, you know, the, the meat and, the, you know, the processed foods, they have the information in it. You know, when you eat those things, that's what, you know, boosts your inflammation in your body. So um, I try to stay away from those things. And um, over week by week, you know, I can tell a difference. You know, some things that were bothering me last year, the year before, you know, don't really bother me that much. Yeah, so we're in week 16 now, man. Yeah. Season's almost up. And yep. compare uh, how your body feels week 16 this year to your rookie year. Oh, man. I uh, remember my rookie year, I was ready to get PRPs in my hamstrings, <laughs> uh, fix your shoulder up. But now, man, I feel I feel feel like I'm, you know, healthy, you know, healthy as I've ever been this late in the season for sure. Facts, <laughs> for sure. And um, you know, I, it's, I test as a testimony to my diet, you know, and um, to me taking care of my body. I guess then it's going to make the off season a little bit nicer for you. you don't oh, yeah. have all that recovery time. Oh, yeah. You can actually just get on a plane and go, right? Yep, yep you know it. You know it. <laughs> um, can you think of a specific game this year where you know maybe you? third quarter, fourth quarter, you're just tired and you're like, man, thank God I changed my diet. Otherwise, I'd be dogging it right now. Um, um, I can say that for any of the games, you know, I, I, I feel like in any other games that we played, I've had chances to where like, okay, I would have been tired last year, but I feel like every, you know, whether it's I'm more in shape, whether it's my diet helping me be more in shape, I felt like I haven't had that time this year at all to where I was like, man, I'm tired, you know, right. uh, I'm blowed. They got me blowed out here. I never, I, I haven't had that yet this year. And um, I feel like that's a lot to, you know, me taking care of my body and um, me being in shape and eating the right things. Now, football players, y'all are notorious for just like downing steaks, eating all that chicken, yep. you know, protein, 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 as they say. Yep. You get any ribs from your teammates for, you know, your dietary habits? They give you a hard time at all? Um, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, when I come in the DB room, I have, like, my shakes. I have about four shakes. <laughs> and um, one of my guys, Dunbar, he, 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 he'll get one every now and then, and he'll joke on me, like, what you got in this one, man? A bunch of kale? <laughs> 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 what you got a bunch of lettuce in here? Right. So, you know, he'll get on me about that sometimes, but um, it's all good. I tell him it's healthy. You should drink it. What, uh, all right, man. So what is your favorite, then? What's your favorite shake? Um, my favorite shake, man, I think is... Um, Banana mango, pineapple. You know, I, I, um, banana mangoes and pineapples, and um, I sort of put whatever green cucumbers, whether spinach or kale, um, just flood it up with all the green I can, and make go. sure I got enough fruit so I don't have to taste the green. But um, it usually, it usually works out for me. You don't have to taste the green. I was just telling yeah. somebody in the office the other day, I was like, my smoothies are 75% kale and 25% fruit, man. I like that to come out like green mud. Like that way I know I'm drinking health, man. Yeah, that's sort of how my girl does it, man. She, 
puts a lot of green and almonds and stuff, and it would be so thick. I'm like, that's not a smoothie. That's a, <laughs> like pudding. <laughs> Eat it with a spoon, right? Yeah. Um, what about your family history? Because I know, mm -hmm. again, talking to Trent, diabetes runs in his family. Yes. Is your family pretty pretty clean medically? Nah, not at all. My my grandmother actually has diabetes right now. Yeah, and my uh, her 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 husband died of of um, a heart heart attack. My granddaddy. So um, my 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 family's, you know, they I grew up eating, you know, pork, the, the red meats, the chickens, you know, the stuff off a of, off a of farm, you know. So um, it's not that clean, but you know, something. I've been trying to get my family to do one. Every time they come to my house, they always like, well, we know he doesn't have any chicken. <laughs> we know he doesn't have any. So we go have to do our own shopping. I'm like, nah, y'all don't shop. Eat what I got here. It's good for you, you know. It's going to help you in the long run. And, um, you know, my dad's very stubborn on it. You know, my mom, she, she's, she's, she sort of started the fruit fruit mixing when I was in college. So okay. my mom sort of been on it, but, she, you know, she still eats you know the the chicken and the, the you know the um, pork or whatever but um yeah she she she's trying to work her way in it what do you think it's going to take to get your dad over that hurdle open i his don't mind? know man he's he's so stubborn man i want i, I need a hamburger that's what he, i need i need I need something like that man but um he slow, slowly last year around this time you know we couldn't we couldn't offer none of that to him but this year i think my mom is slowly getting him there but um the more we stay on him about it, I think he'll eventually he'll switch over. Have you done the sneak attack on him? Like, here's a smoothie, you don't oh, tell nah. him? Oh, every time, every time. Nah, that's just the thing. Like, like last year, he wasn't drinking any smoothies. Right. This year, he's he's drinking the smoothies. So, I guess we just got to keep it going, you know, get my mom turned over. And um, he'll, he'll shortly, shortly but surely come over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give me an example here. Uh, take fish out of the equation, but give me an example of of your daily menu. Start start me with breakfast and walk me through. Um, breakfast, um, I got some. Um, it's it is some. Um, my girl makes the plant based burgers. Okay. Plant based burgers, and she does the um, wheat, no wheat or no dairy in the uh, tater tots. It's some some type of tater tots she buys, uh, vegan tater tots and the vegan plant-based uh, patty. That's what I eat every morning. For basically. breakfast? For breakfast. Dinner for breakfast. Basically dinner for breakfast. Um, I eat that for breakfast. For lunch, I usually have, um, usually have a shake, about four or five of them. I make sure I put a lot of chia, chia seeds and pumpkin seeds to get my protein. Right, right. Um, make sure I flood it with um, kale, spinach, and um, cucumbers for my green and uh, whatever fruits I, I usually switch up the fruit uh, mainly mangoes pineapples b bananas and um, watermelon and uh, for dinner for dinner uh, we've been we've been doing the uh, like last night I had a, a plant-based what it was a lasagna or like tofu lasagna, okay you know um, and, uh, it's been it's been good you know I guess they make the cheese with peanut butter or whatever so um, it's been good man um, some type, it's, I guess it's a plant-based lasagna. Yeah, yeah, they can do it, man. They can do pretty much anything. But, I, man, I got to ask you, so you're drinking four or five smoothies for lunch, right? Yeah. Is that before practice? That is before practice. That's a lot of fiber before practice, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it is. is. It, you, you, but you still okay out there? I'm good. I'm cool. good. Right, I am man. good.
Uh, you got a firm handshake. A lot of people are scared to go plant-based because they think, oh, not enough protein, I'm yeah. gonna lose all this strength. Uh -uh. Not the case for you. No, not at all, man. Like I said, um, you, can, you can substitute stuff, things for, for your protein. Um, like I, I seen a study that my, uh, my girl looked up, I guess 30, 30 grams of chia seeds as like three times the protein as a steak, as a T-bone steak. So, right. you know, if you, you just do the research, you know, you can find your protein and your seeds and your nuts, um, things like that. Well, do they have all that stuff here for you? They do. They do have the chia seeds and the pumpkin seeds over there. You think we can make one real quick? We can, for right, sure. Let's make one. Let's do it. We're going to have a DJ Swearinger special. Let's do it. Oh. So what do we have in here, man? You yeah, got so, frozen pre-packs? Yeah, man, we got the the strawberries, the frozen bananas, the frozen mangoes. Down here we got the frozen peaches, nice. raspberries, pineapples. pineapples. Yeah. So I usually go with that. So I got my mangoes. Got my pineapples, two bananas, cucumbers, almond milk. I got my seeds. There you go. My chia seeds. And I, sometimes I do the almond butter as well. A little extra protein. Yeah, a little extra protein. Yeah. Now, did they keep the uh, chia seeds stocked here just for you? Yeah. I told him, I told him, I was like, you got to give me some chia seeds here. Did you put that in your contract? Nah, I'm not signing until <laughs> I get my chia seeds. Yeah, man. Got to have it all. You ever give Coach Gruden a smoothie? He, sometimes he comes over and asks me what I'm making, but I'm all telling the same thing I'm making in camp. Okay. <laughs> So they usually have my kale sitting right here. Okay. But I guess they didn't have it today. Oh, they're slipping. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I don't know if I could get by without kale. Yeah. Like, I'd be crying. <laughs> when I don't have the kale, I just load up on the cu cucumbers. Okay. You know. Okay. You just go that way with it. So now, when you talk about drinking four or five, are you talking like four or five of these full ones like mm -hmm. that? Basically, a full of... It comes out into four cups. Okay. So basically a full size smoothie. Okay. I usually fill it all the way up. Right, right. And have more stuff in it with the kale. Okay. But you know, this is cool. So it's it's probably still get me three of them. Okay. Well, two because you know I'm gonna taste. Better. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> you know it. That's a fancy blender like you'd see in like a Starbucks or something, yeah. man. <laughs> and you were telling me you have a, a good blender at home? Yeah, I got about four or five of them. Like <laughs> one of them where you just push it on the top, put like a little cup like this. I can just push like push it on the top, mash it. For three seconds, it'll blend everything up quick. Huh. Quick. And then I have one, a big one like this. Got a big kitchen then? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Two kitchens. Oh, yeah. Okay. One just for fruits and vegetables? Uh, I guess for when my family come in, they can have one. Aha. For if they don't like what we cooking. Oh, look at that. That comes out at three perfectly. Yep. yep, perfectly. 
I got it down to a T, man. I've you do? Doing it so, That's doing right. it since camp. <laughs> Chef Swearinger over here. Yeah, man. All right, so here we are. We've got the uh, the smoothies here. Yep, yep. Cheers. Thank you very much. Cheers. Let's take a sip here. That's all right. Uh, you like that? That's all right. That's... The almond butter and the cucumber really stand out to me. Mm -hmm. That's all right. And you, man, this is thick too. And you're yeah. going to drink four or five before practice? Four, four. I, I usually drink, I make them, I usually drink at least whatever gets me full. So whether it's two or three, I drink two or three. I don't usually drink all four of them. I drink about two or three. Enough that I feel like I got enough on my stomach, and then I save the one for right afterwards. Man, I'd be floating. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, man, DJ Swearing is special, man. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Best of luck. Thanks for having me. Happy health, my friend. Yes, sir. The Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. That was a fun interview with Redskin Safety DJ Swearinger there. And I got to tell you, I'm still tasting that smoothie. It was so good. So good. I've got nothing but the kindest things to say about that man. Matter of fact, next season, I'm going back to interview him again just so I can get that smoothie. Heck, I might even go down to training camp, bring a Vitamix just so he can make me another smoothie. Uh, anyway, the State of the Union address is this week, Tuesday night to be exact. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if we tied in the president to this podcast, the president has an affinity for fast food. Everybody knows this. And I think that he is certainly not alone in this. And I think that this is something that a lot of people struggle with. And I, for one, was a fast food addict when I was still 420 pounds. And I knew nothing about plant-based dieting. And all I knew was to go through the Taco Bell drive through and get this stuff. And it came out to something close to 5,000 calories and way more than 100 grams of fat. It was ridiculous. But anyway, I got the bright idea. How can we help out the president? How can we help out other people and make things a little bit more healthy for him? So with that, we welcome to the show registered dietitian up at the Barnard Medical Center, Allie Lunning. Hello, Allie. Hello. It is great for you to uh, be back on the podcast. Super fun. Still tasting the Chunky Monkey Truffle Bites from last week. <laughs> yes. Those were so good. That worked out really well. I was I super excited. And I'm super excited about the recipe that you have for us later in this show. You have a Super Bowl super something that's coming. That's super spectacular is what it is it is super spectacular <laughs> i have no doubt if, if if it's anything like the chunky monkey truffle bites still fun to say uh it is going to be phenomenal now then let's talk about uh this standard meal that uh, the president gets when he goes through mcdonald's this has been well documented um a typical dinner for him would consist of two big macs two filet of fish and a chocolate shake to wash wow. it all down yeah not exactly the pillar of health, but again, it's not just the president that has this issue. It's yeah, a lot of people. Absolutely. So let's let's crunch some numbers on this meal. I know that you ran it through a, a nutrition guide. So what did you what did you come up with calorically speaking for this? Well, I actually um, I wasn't aware of the the double on both sandwiches. Oh so yeah. So I did the I did two uh, two fish fillet sandwiches, one Big Mac, um, and a small chocolate milkshake just as a ballpark for that nutrition information. It was about uh, 2,000 calories. Mm. 
and about 90 grams of fat. Yeah, that that sounds about right. With a whopping six grams of fiber. And that's that. See, that's the thing. <laughs> that's what I've learned about plant-based diets is, you know, it's nothing if it has no fiber. Right, right. So this type of food, uh, having, you know, on a regular basis, your perception of what what really fills you becomes skewed. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know that when I was gorging on Taco Bell, you know, I would go through. Matter of fact, let me let me pull up what my standard meal at Taco Bell was. Let me run this by you. Uh, two seven layer burritos, two beef grilled stuffed burritos, a nachos bel grande, a chicken quesadilla, a cheesy potato burrito and for dessert, a caramel apple empanada. Mm. And that came out to a total of forty three hundred seventy calories and about two hundred grams of fat. I have no idea how much or how little fiber in there, but I would imagine it's it's right around six to ten grams mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's so difficult with the way that those menus are set up uh, to really formulate what a, a what a quote unquote you know proper or satisfying meal could be. So you end up just kind of going with what actually makes you feel full. Sure. And with this type of food, it it could potentially never happen. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm t- I'm telling you, like I did not feel physically full until that last yeah. bite of the empanada right 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 because that's what you your body adjusts to but here's the thing like the craziest thing is you eat all of that and it was just you know, a few hours later i'm like man i'm hungry again and so some days i would go back and i would do that a second time right yeah that i mean i can see that happening that if that's very realistic you know your body is is done with that meal as quickly as it was digested which w- with only six grams of fiber it's like, you know, nothing. Right. In a few hours, your body's done with that volume and it's already been processed and it's just hanging out in the lower parts. Yeah. <laughs> um, not to get visual, but. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so then your sensation for hunger comes back again. Your your stomach creates ghrelin. Your, your signals your brain and says, all right, ready for lunch or ready for dinner whatever's next yeah or a snack or you know whatever the case fourth meal right Uh, oh uh, fourth meal fifth meal i mean i I was look it got so bad seriously at taco bell they would see my car coming and they would you know they they literally would say hi chuck when i would pull up Mm -hmm. to the Mm drive-through it was ridiculous i'm i'm ashamed of that you know because I was just in a bad way. Right. Again, I knew nothing of these plant-based diets. But here's the cool thing, right? I wanted to invite you on the program to take a look at the way that we could veganize, if you will, the president's meals here. Because Mm -hmm. this is going to give people an idea, even if they don't like Big Macs, even if they don't like fillets of fish or chocolate shakes... You can really customize whatever your vice is and make it plant-based. Yes, yeah. That's the cool thing. So Mm -hmm. let's just use the president's uh, meal here as as an example here. So you've done some studying here, Allie, and now you know a good way to make a vegan Big Mac. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually, it's great. It's 2018, and there are a lot of folks who are on a similar page with this message. So I was actually really easily able to find a blog um, that had a recipe for a plant-based alternative for a Big Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, when you think about it, what what is it that you like in that sandwich or that, you know, that quesadilla or whatever it is? Is it the sauce? Is it the crunchiness? Is it sesame seed bun? A lot of, nine times out of 10, it's the sauce, right? 
Or the cheese. I mean, right, cheese, cheese right. is dairy crack. It, yeah, it's basically dairy crack, and it's almost like if it's a sauce in itself. Mm-hmm. So if you're able to come up with a really nice recipe for a veggie burger that's flat, and you stack up those buns the same way they do at Mickey D's, you add that special sauce that has magic ingredients. Ready? Ketchup, mustard, relish. That's it? I, I always thought the special sauce was Thousand Island dressing. And that's the special secret. Ooh. <laughs> the secret's out now, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. it's The secret is that it's easier than we, we tend to believe. Right. And I think that's a big um, motivation as to why folks end up going to into the direction of, of getting those foods at fast food establishments in the first place. And uh, I, I pulled up some of the nutritional info on McDonald's.com. So uh, the Big Mac here, and, and this jibes with what your numbers were, 540 calories, 28 grams of fat, um, <laughs> fiber, three grams. Three grams. Um, so Can... the the vegan Big Mac that you were talking about, give me the numbers there. So, And this is just a rough estimate, but just from throwing it into a food uh, processing uh, application, I was able to find that had 20. 23 grams of fiber Hmm. um and we have let's see five grams of total fat Hmm. that is a a ridiculous savings there seriously and something that and does it say there how many calories that big mac is uh 540 okay so for this plant-based alternative this estimate is actually higher in calories however you can imagine that it is going to be much more likely that you will only eat one of these yeah. with 25 grams of fiber right. and go, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I'm done. I, well, that's interesting that it's it's a little bit higher calorie. That does surprise me. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, that's going to have a lot more of the good fats. Your body's going to react to it, obviously, much more positively than it would fake, <laughs> if I, fake news, yeah. fake food. If I could get... A, t- an average patient of mine mm-hmm. to consume 23 grams of fiber in a in a day yeah that's a huge victory right and you know at the physicians committee we're recommending for f- about 40 to 50 grams a day mm-hmm. but what i'm used to seeing with practice within practicing with pa- most patients it is never tipping over about 10 wow so Wow. This this the difference in this meal is substantial. So the calories are absolutely cell fuel. Right if you on. want your body to do what you want it to do, which is to get healthy and to improve, then the more that those calories that you consume that have potential value to them, right, the better your health. Uh, let's talk about cell fuel for the filet fish. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would think that that's going to be a little bit more difficult to replicate simply because it's. You know, everybody's got the burger part down, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen nearly as much fish alternatives. Definitely. It takes a lot of food science to <laughs> figure out what is what makes fish uh, have that particular mouthfeel. Right. Mouthfeel. Mouthfeel, yeah. Love that. <laughs> um, and depending on what you're talking about, like shrimp is different than crab, is different than flaky fish. But uh, there is this recipe. Um, let's see, it's on theedgyveg.com. And she's done her own version of a filet of fish sandwich mm-hmm. with eggplant. Really? Yeah. Eggplant. Enlighten me, Obi Wan. All right, so here's the visual you got an eggplant and you peel it. 
And now you have a beautiful spherical object that you can easily cut into slices that are about a half an inch thick and make those nice little squares. Mm. And then you have the template for what you're going to ne- build next. Right. So similarly to the recipe we'll discuss later, you would set up this kind of breading procedure so that you get a little bit of egg replacement there. You got like some whole wheat flour or some cornflake cereal and kind of cri- like kind of make a breading for it. Right. And very easily at 425 in a in a good oven, that's going to crisp up no problem. R- wow. So there you have an alternative that is squishy like the fish. It's not going to feel flaky, but sure. if you if what you're looking for is tartar sauce, crispy, crunchy, squishy, you got it with this eggplant sandwich. I think it's a great alternative. Yeah, and you know what else I take away from that is no oil in there because you know with the filet of fish, they're frying the heck out of that thing. And burning it and yeah. becoming very carcinogenic. Yeah. I'll never forget the way that tastes. And if anybody could laugh and think about that, I, I, I so much remember biting into a filet of fish sandwich and just being like, oh my goodness, this isn't food. Yeah. This is actually plastic. <laughs> it was leaky plastic, though, because you would bite down and like you could literally feel the grease mm-hmm. just kind of squeeze out right. of that fish. I'm going to put that in quotes. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. finding a good sauce alternative, you get something squeezing out of it that's just, you know, a little bit. Not a little bit, a lot. Yeah, uh, more yeah. beneficial for and you. And I know that you're you're a huge tartar sauce fan. I right love there. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So a really easy way you can throw together similar tasting tartar sauce. You could just grab like Engine Two hummus or plain Asmars hummus. Those are my two favorite low fat brands. Add a couple tablespoons of lemon juice and Bubby's pickle relish. Bubby's. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to name drop, but I love that stuff. Um, it's super sour. That's why, because it works out really well. Um, and then you get the dill flavor, you get the lemon, and it's creamy. It's just not white, but who cares? It's all about the taste. That's, that's it. the important thing. And then uh, the president will wash that down after the two Big Macs uh. and the two filet of fish uh, He will top that off with a chocolate shake. Mm-hmm. And obviously there are a million and one ways mm-hmm. to make a vegan chocolate yeah, shake. Yeah, I didn't even write that one down. I yeah. figured we'd just talk about it. Right. <laughs> well, I, my, One of my favorites is actually made with black beans. It, there's like four ingredients in there. Cacao powder, black beans, uh, I've got it written down at home. I Absolutely. Write it down and bring it in and we Bananas. will- Bananas. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a, I mean, thinking about some of the smoothies that uh, folks make for uh, for weight loss and for, um, you know, general, you know, f- muscle, muscle go, gym goers and folks like that, you know, making a smoothie with black beans is a really healthy way to get in some of that plant-based protein. And the, f- the fat that's in the black beans um, can actually work really well to also help me- uh, do mimic the mouthfeel that you might get in a dairy product yeah so yeah i keep this uh it's i favorited it on my phone so i always have this with me so it's uh check this out one frozen banana uh one cup of frozen cauliflower a half cup of black beans two dates pitted of course a cup of almond milk uh throw in a splash of hemp seeds obviously cacao powder and cinnamon if you prefer and i'm telling you like it is so easy to put this together this is literally a five minute thing oh uh, my gosh i that's that's a great recipe that's a sneaky way to get 
I'm I'm impressed with the cauliflower. Bravo. So bottom line is this, whether you're the president or you're anybody that's struggling with a fast food addiction. And I think yeah. that if you go to the drive through multiple times in a week, there's it's probably more so an addiction than convenience. That is my honest. Absolutely. Belief. And so. Bottom line is this, there is hope, there are ways around it, and with a little bit of research and a little bit of time, you can really do very well for yourself, especially mm-hmm. if the burgers are pre-made. You go home, you throw it in the microwave. Right, on, pre-made. You know? And we were looking at um, some of the other products that are available. There are frozen veggie burgers. Mm-hmm. There are so there are even the the, the, the fish analogs you right. know, that, uh, that are pretty darn interesting yeah. that's for sure they're yeah. made of like some kind of japanese root cognac something or other oh well, japanese root cognac thing <laughs> next time you're in your produce <laughs> department ask for that yeah uh so ali thank you so much we're going to put up links to all of these recipes at pcrm.org slash podcast while you're there click on the subscribe button be sure to subscribe to us on itunes or if you've got the android device google play will do just fine but bottom line subscribe to this you'll get a lot more great tips just like this so thank you ali we will talk to you again in just a few minutes all right check see you later You're continuing to listen to The Exam Room, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Vegan Sports, that is the name of this particular episode. And who better to talk about vegan sports than Dr. Jim Loomis, Medical Director from the Barnard Medical Center. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing, Chuck? Thanks for having me back. I'm doing fantastic. Now, you, we've talked about this in the past. You were uh, the team internist for both the St. Louis Cardinals in baseball and the Rams when they were still playing football in St. Louis, correct? That is correct. Now, in my book, that qualifies you as an expert to talk about (laughs) this. Um, One of the things that a lot of people say, skeptics, is that it's impossible to keep the muscle up when you're on a plant-based diet because you're not getting enough protein. We hear that all the time. And now I know that you're in this new movie called The Game Changers, and we were just looking at the cast, and a lot of these guys are like record-holding weightlifters. They are jacked. That's correct. And, and, and in fact, I think that's probably one of the greatest myths around, not, not just in sports, but the whole protein myth um, um, in, in, to the general public. I, I think that this, this perception that we need to eat meat to, to get protein is completely flawed. First of all, you know, the vegan cow that you eat to, to get protein got its protein from grass. Uh, you don't turn on National Geographic and see a special on mountain gorillas or on elephants, and the first question that cop- pops in your mind is, oh, my God, where do they get their protein? Well, of course not. And and those animals are herbivores. They eat plants. So it is it is incredibly easy to get more than enough protein by eating a plant-based diet. And in fact, the average American gets probably twice as much protein as they need, and there are some fairly serious, significant health consequences of the overconsumption of protein. Unlike fat and carbohydrate, which we can store, we can store the extra carbohydrate as glycogen uh, in our muscles for fuel. We can store fat as fat, obviously, for energy. We can't store extra protein. So when we consume extra protein, it, it actually gets converted to nitrogen and is excreted by our kidneys. And, and when we overconsume protein, that can put a tremendous strain on the kidneys has been associated with, the, with, with chronic kidney problems. Hmm. The overconsumption of animal protein has also been associated with certain forms of cancer, heart disease, and, and diabetes. That's interesting. Um, 
So the average American is consuming about twice as much as they need. But athletes, I would assume, correct me if I'm wrong, tend to need more than the average American. But it sounds like they should still be getting an adequate amount. So that's another one of the mythologies around sports nutrition and, and as, it, as it relates to protein. It's true that athletes do need a little bit more protein, but, but it's not a ton more. And so if you look at the recommended daily allowance for, you know, kind of an average individual who is moderately active, the current recommendations are about 0.8 to 1 gram per kilogram of, of body weight mm-hmm. of protein. So um, it's, it has been shown that, that endurance athletes – may need a little bit more, about 1.2 to 1.5. Strength chain athletes may need a little bit more than that, 1.7 to 1.8. Above that, it's clearly been shown that, that an athlete will achieve, if you, for, that's where you achieve what we call nitrogen balance. That's where above those levels, 1.7, 1.8 grams per kilogram, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Um, that's when you'll start to see increased nitrogen excretion into the urine, which means you've exceeded your body's ability to, to use that protein to build muscle and repair body tissue. Hmm. And the, the, what's very interesting to me is, so, so let's just say you're on a 2,500 calorie diet, which is would be about average for an active individual. And let's just say you weigh 200 pounds, that's about 90 kilograms. So if you do the math, that one point, that, you know, one gram per kilogram per se, uh, that's about 90 grams of protein a day, somewhere in there. Um, a plant-based diet, the natural macronutrient ratio, so the ratio of, of calories from carbohydrates, protein, and fat, falls out about 75% complex unprocessed carbohydrates, about 15% protein, and about 10% fat. So if 15% of your 2,500 calories is coming from protein, and there's 4 grams per calorie – Four calories per gram, I'm sorry, four calories per gram for protein. A 2,500-calorie plant-based diet gives you right at 90 grams of protein a day, which is exactly what you need. Now, if you're a professional athlete or a bodybuilder or a marathon runner, you're not eating 2,500 calories a day. You might be eating 4,000 calories a day. Sure. If you're eating 4,000 calories a day, that's going to be around 135 grams of protein. So guess what you know and if you and if you need 1.5 or 1.7 instead of that one that's about 135 grams of protein so so in fact it's not a protein problem it's a calorie problem so as long as you're getting enough calories and then you're going to get enough protein see now that leads me exactly to my next question is i've had tons of conversations with trent williams his left tackle for the uh, washington redskins he obviously needs to be a gentleman of larger carriage. He went vegan during training camp prior to last season, but he had to come off of it, he said, because he found it impossible to keep the weight on. Is that kind of a common problem for athletes as they first try to adopt a plant-based diet? It, it can be. And, and the reason is is that is, is the, the nutrient density of, of a whole food plant-based diet. Because if you think about it, you know, think, think about – the, in, a, in a standard American diet, when we eat all this highly processed food, um, it, it, you get a lot of calories, but there's not a lot of nutrition. So, you know, when you eat a boneless, skinless chicken breast to get protein, how much fiber is in that? Well, there's zero. And one of the things that makes us feel full is, is fiber. So we're able to eat a lot of chicken breast and not get full. 
um, you eat a whole food plant-based diet. So you're getting your calories from beans and lentils and, 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 you know, fruits and vegetables. You might be getting 50, 75 grams of cal- of fiber a day. The average American gets about 20. Right. So you're going to be full all the time, most of the time. So the struggle, again, it's not getting more protein. It's getting enough calories. And so there are some ways to navigate that, um, you know, using snack foods that are relatively calorically dense as well as nutrient dense, like nuts and avocados, um, using um, using smoothies in the morning, not as a meal, not as a not extra for extra protein, but as a meal substitute where you can get extra calories into that drink uh, are some strategies that, that some of the athletes that I've worked with have used to maintain their weight um, during during their training programs or during the uh, comp- competitive season. Now, one of his teammates, DJ Swearinger, on the defensive side of the ball, he's a safety, so he's got a little bit leaner frame to him. Uh, he was telling me that he actually uses smoothies quite a bit. That is his lunch, except he's not just drinking one smoothie. This man is downing three to four smoothies right. before going on the practice field. Now, he made one for me. It's absolutely delicious. But I'm thinking like three to four smoothies, that's a lot of fiber before practice. That could be problematic if he gets hit, right? <laughs> Well, you know, what's interesting is, is your gut will adjust to that. Um, you know, when you first transition to a plant-based diet and you're not used to all that fiber, that can indeed cause problems. But once you kind of get your body gets readjusted and, and you change kind of the microbiome because of the prebiotics that are in the fiber, uh, it's not nearly as big a problem as you might think. Um, and, and talking to another athlete, a completely different sport, NASCAR driver Landon Castle, he told me that he also had problem uh, a problem making sure that he got enough calories. So he started drinking his calories as well. Uh, got to a point where he sometimes would have that smoothie um, right before the race. And then when he had pit stops, he would have them give him a banana there. And then he would, uh, honest to God, I'm not kidding you, throw the banana peel out on the track during the race. This guy's fantastic. <laughs> um, but... I, I would assume then the smoothie then that would that should be a snack, not a meal. Well, you can use it as a meal replacement. Uh, the what you know what it, when when I was working with the professional teams back in 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 St. Louis, you would go into the locker room and there would be uh, there would be blenders around the edges with big tubs of protein powder, mm-hmm. where people after the workouts would have make a great big blended you know protein drink just to get extra protein. And, and that's where you get into trouble with the overconsumption of protein. But so using smoothies and things like that as a, as a meal replacement, I, I certainly don't see anything wrong with that. As long as you don't have any, you know, these, most of these players don't have chronic, you know, type 2 diabetes or, or high blood pressure or high cholesterol, you know, although some do. Um, so as long as you're not dealing with a chronic health issue where you're worried about that, where, where because the blenders do make the sugar a little more readily available. Mm-hmm. So if you've got type 2 diabetes, probably not a great idea. But if you're a competitive athlete, using that as a meal replacement is a quick and easy way to, to ensure you're getting enough calories through the day. Now, we hear a lot about complete proteins. I believe nine amino acids. Um, there are only, to my knowledge, again, correct me if I'm wrong, two plant sources that are complete proteins, quinoa being one of them. I can't remember the other. Yeah. So when you're working with athletes and talking about making sure that they get enough protein, how much emphasis is uh, put on making sure that it's a complete protein? So that's another one of the big fallacies we have around protein in sports. Um, that, that is a true statement. Uh, soybeans, and there, there are many beans and legumes that are complete proteins as, as well as the quinoa. But here's the thing. You know, if you just sat down and got 2,500 calories today just from broccoli, 
then in fact you might be missing a couple of essential amino acids. But who does that? Nobody. Right. When you eat a well-balanced plant-based diet that includes a wide variety of fruits and vegetables and beans and you know beans, legumes, lentils, etc., you know, whole true whole grains, it is absolutely physiologically impossible to to not get enough of the essential amino acids you need. So this argument that that you shouldn't be on a plant-based diet because it's, they're not complete proteins again is is another huge fallacy. So protein is uh, that's kind of bogus, and there are ways to keep. How how would you recommend Trent keep the weight on? I mean, because he is seriously a like he's six six and probably about three twenty three thirty. I mean, that guy's got to eat a lot of calories. So I would think that that would extend more than just putting avocado on a salad or eating that handful of nuts. Well, it's really about increasing meal frequency, um, you know, eating every few hours um, the best you can. And again, focusing on these higher calorie but still nutrient-dense options. All right. Dr. Jim Loomis here with us on the Exam Room Podcast. We're going to check this. We're going to come back in just a little bit. I want to talk to you about the effect that a plant-based diet has on the actual performance of the athlete and then dive into injury recovery time because we hear a lot about that keyword inflammation. Back now on the exam room brought to you by the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Give me a follow on Twitter at Chuck Carroll, WLC with two R's and two L's. And of course, the show as well at PCRM sitting across the table from Dr. James Loomis. He is the medical director up at the Barnard Medical Center. You're on Twitter as well, aren't you? I am. J.F. Loomis, M.D. Give him a follow. Good stuff. I, I saw that you retweeted me not long ago. Yeah. I got all giddy about it. <laughs> uh, Going to talk now about the effect of a plant-based diet on the actual performance of the athlete. You know, we hear a lot about bigger, stronger, faster. And, of course, again, the critics come in and, and they say smaller, slower, weaker. Well, I, again, I think that, that, that a lot of that is, is, is based in kind of bro science, right. which, you know, is the kind of what, where a lot of this protein mythology comes from, by the way. It's, it's the bro science that <laughs> gets transmitted through the gym. Um, so there's a lot of theoretic reasons and some research about how come a plant-based diet should, in fact, perform performance and, and especially recovery. There's been several studies which show that clearly plant-based diets don't – there's no decrement uh, in performance on a plant-based diet. Right. So even if you compare the two. And there's some reasons for that, especially for more like endurance athletes, uh, because of the high complex carbohydrate intake. Uh, that keeps our glycogen stores full, which, which is what we use for short bursts of energy, you know, inter- activities that last less than a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so having that glycogen readily available is very important. It also sensitizes us to insulin. Um, you know, you have to remember that we evolved, you know, our evolutionary, all of our biology, all of our metabolism, all of our nutritional needs were really set by our biologic evolution. And, and we had to evolve to be able to perform physical activity in the absence of food because we were either starving to death and having to go find it, or we were running away from a leopard, and if we stopped and ate, we'd get eaten. Right. And we did. And so we have a very efficient energy. We have, there's really two sources of energy that we, that we have to help facilitate exercise while we're out looking for food or trying not to get eaten. We have glycogen, which is sugar stored in the muscle and liver that we use for short-term exercise, exercise that's a little more intense. 
and then we have fat. And fat's used for more long-term endurance exercise if you have to run down the antelope. The trigger to release fat into the bloodstream, the trigger to burn glycogen is just exercise itself. The trigger to release fat into the bloodstream is adrenaline, which is very convenient because running away from leopards and starving to death was a stressful event. And assuming we survived, that's when we rest, recover, and refuel. And the insulin level, the, the adrenaline levels go down, and when we eat, our insulin levels go up. And insulin's job is to turn the spigot the other way. So we refill the gas tank. We take the carbohydrates, park it in the muscle and liver. We take the fat, convert it to, we convert it to triglyceride, store it as fat in our, in, our, in, our, in our bodies for later use. So when we exercise and cycle through the energy, we empty the gas tank, fill it back up, empty the gas tank, fill it back up, uh, we become very efficient. We become what's called metabolically efficient. And because a whole food plant-based diet has, in general, what's called a low glycemic index. Mm-hmm. It's the propensity for our bodies to make insulin. Um, there, there's, it makes us very efficient at, at both burning energy but also storing energy. So that's, that's, and that's advantageous, especially more an endurance athlete. On the recovery side, and I think this is probably the most overlooked advantage, actually, of being on a whole food plant-based diet. We burn oxygen for fuel to help make more energy. Sure. And one of the natural byproducts of that are, are, are what are called oxygen-free radicals. And oxygen-free radicals in small doses uh, provide a, a benefit to our health. Uh, they, they serve a cell signaling mechanism and, and, and such as that. But at higher doses, they, they, can, they can be very detrimental to our health. They can cause inflammation, can damage muscle cell walls. And in fact, a lot of the stiffness and soreness, muscle soreness that you get after an intense bout of exercise is felt to be related to damage done by these oxygen-free radicals, and that's called oxidative stress. Now, we have an innate ability to, to offset some of that oxidative stress, but most of our ability to offset oxidative stress comes from our diet. The antioxidants that we consume only come from plants. And the more color there is in a plant, the more antioxidant capacity we have. And so when we eat things that are purple and blue and green and yellow and orange and red, we can develop a tremendous antioxidant capacity. But you go and you look, even in the training room and, you know, in these professional sports teams, when the predominant color you see is brown, it's a cheeseburger or a piece of steak or a chicken breast with some french fries and mashed potatoes and things like that where the only color might be you know some some ketchup which really isn't even you know it's just you know high fructose corn syrup um then that can actually be a detriment to recovery from both uh, from from heavy workouts and make you more prone to injury and, and such as that uh, what about the the actual function of the body? You were talking, I believe, earlier about the parity between the way the body performs on a traditional diet versus a plant-based diet. But if you are on a plant-based diet, do your muscles trigger more faster? Do your joints uh, operate a little bit more smoothly? Not necessarily. There's no, there's no evidence. There's no scientific evidence that suggests that that I know of. But anytime you can recover faster and you're less sore the next day, and you can work out more intensely day after day, that's obviously going to make you less prone to injury over the long run. And when you do get injured, because um, because we're able to control some of this chronic inflammation, it, it, it may, in fact, help recovery. I've experienced that personally. Um, in medical school, I was a fairly competitive roadrunner. I'd run track in college, and I ran uh, a couple of marathons. 
And I remember how sore and stiff I was after those marathons. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it would literally take weeks for me to recover from that. You know, you fast forward 30 years when I do my second or third marathon and did a half Ironman a couple of years ago. I'm running two days later. Nice. And I'm, I'm in my 50s. And, you know, when I'm in my 20s, I'm limping around, hobbling around. And I am totally convinced uh, of the importance of diet. The other big, huge, helpful um, thing I do now is I do a, a recovery smoothie, and I use a lot of spices like cinnamon and turmeric and ginger, which are highly inflammatory, uh, anti-inflammatory. And I add that to kale and blueberries and, and, um, um, and drink that. I don't add any protein to it. It's not a protein recovery drink. It's just a recovery drink. And those, those, those healing, soothing spices really have really helped me a lot in my own personal performance. And again, working with some of the professional athletes, uh, they've experienced the same kind of thing. Yeah, I need that smoothie recipe. I think <laughs> that that's fantastic. We need to share that with our listeners. Yeah. Um, you're talking about just recovery from working out the marathon, but what about if somebody actually has you know, a real issue, they undergo a procedure and they're going to be out for a significant amount of time? Does that speed up that recovery timetable? Say somebody tears their ACL. Well, again, there's no true scientific evidence around that. Anecdotally, I think people would say they do heal faster because, again, when we eat a healthy diet, you know, a whole food plant-based diet, that, that helps our immune system. It, it provides us with these antioxidants and anti-inflammatories, and, and it really, I think, helps our bodies heal much faster because, you know, you, for example – when you have chronic medical problems like type 2 diabetes or prediabetes, you know, that clearly impairs healing. And when 66% of the population has one of those two conditions, you know, it, it makes you wonder. The other thing that's very interesting is um, the effect that a plant-based diet has on pain control. Right. Um, and again, there's, there's evidence that, that a whole food plant-based diet may, in fact, markedly decrease pain and pain and improve pain tolerance because of the profound anti-inflammatory effect of the diet itself. Now, that is fascinating. I think that we need to dig a little bit deeper on that in a future episode. That's uh, yeah. I, Studies on that. and mm-hmm. okay. so It's fascinating. Fa- yeah, that is fascinating. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to circle back to that whole bigger, stronger, faster philosophy and talk about one of the world's most famous vegans, and that is Carl Lewis. Carl Lewis, if you Google him, uh, you will see, obviously, he's a proud plant-based man. You know, this guy was just an athlete du jour setting world records getting olympic medals all of that good stuff uh he decides to go vegan in 1990 and yet again i just want to circle back to the critics who say his career went south after he switched to a plant-based diet now crunching some numbers looking at the years you and i kind of determine like hey you guys are missing a big something here yeah, I would agree. So if you look at, at, at sprinters, 100-meter runners, um, they peak in their mid-20s typically. C- Carl Lewis went plant-based in his late 20s, early 30s, which is on the downside really physiologically of, 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 a, of a sprinter's career because as we get older, we do lose speed. In 1991, at the age of 30, 31, he actually won the 1991 World Championships 100-meter race and set a new world record. So arguably, the plant-based diet, in fact, didn't wasn't a detriment to, to his career. It prolonged his career. Uh, and I, I think 
that um, uh, and again, if you look at the the age and the numbers and his performance after he went plant based, and to say that you know in, when, as he got into his late to, you know early to to late to mid thirties to say that the plant based diet is why he declined, I, I think that's a false argument because any sprinter is going to decline in, in as they age. Yeah, you, you can't fight time. Nobody right. can. That's exactly right. Uh, last question. Is there any one sport in particular where an athlete would benefit the most from going on a vegan diet? I think the place it's probably had the most impact is in the ultra-endurance world. Um, and again, there's a lot of reasons for that. I think it's reco- the, the, the huge training volumes if you're, if you're run, doing an Ironman triathlon or a 100-mile race or even a marathon. Um, then I think that's probably where it has the most impact, both because of the ability to, to, to store energy glycogen efficiently, but also the ability to, to mitigate a lot of this oxidative stress. What's very interesting, if you look at the th- – there's you know, th- three or four natural kind of running cultures. So the Kenyans from the Kenyan Highlands, Ethiopia, the Tamahumera Indians, and in the Sierra Madre region of Mexico. Uh, some of the best endurance and ultra-endurance athletes in the world – and if you look at their dietary patterns to a T, they're 98, 99% whole food plant-based. Interesting. That is very interesting. You are just, again, a wealth of information. <laughs> That's why I love having you on. Dr. James Loomis, medical director up at the Barnard Medical Center and now movie star. Check him out in the Game Changers. You're, uh, you, you went out to Sundance to debut this thing. That's all sorts of Hollywood, man. Yeah, it was very interesting and a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I kind of had to pinch myself a couple of times. Uh, you know, you see these movie stars walking around and, you know, you walk down the red carpet. I never in my wildest dreams imagined I, I would be there. And I'd like to thank James Wilkes and crew for including me, and um, and hopefully uh, it'll be uh, you'll get to see it someday soon. GameChangersMovie.com if you want to see the trailer, see who's in the cast. But for right now, you are listening to the Exam Room, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Recipe time here on the Exam Room, brought to you by the Physicians Committee, and with me is registered dietitian Allie Lunning. Hey, the big game this Sunday, one of the all-time favorites when it comes to tailgating or home recipes for the Super Bowl, buffalo wings. Oh, yeah. But, of course, we're vegan, so we can't use the chicken. But I understand what is in front of me is a delicious alternative, and I honestly cannot wait to dive into this. (laughs) What did you prepare today? So I made buffalo cauliflower. It's... um It's everything with the buffalo that you want and nothing with the chicken that you don't want. Before we started rolling tape on this, you were telling me that you actually worked in a restaurant and you were so excited to make the buffalo sauce. You're a huge buffalo sauce fan until you learned what was in it. Yeah, yeah. I've made buffalo sauce so many different ways previous to working in the restaurant. I used honey and brown sugar, and I kept doing a lot of different things. Um, But when I worked in the restaurant, I learned it was equal parts red hot and equal parts butter. Wow. (laughs) That is disgusting. Yeah. And I would imagine that's kind of what jacks up the calories in that? Absolutely, yeah. you, you go to one of those chain restaurants, and if you ever look up their caloric menu or, or their, their nutritional information, I think that a plate of wings uh, at one particular place, I won't shout them out, uh, is like 3,500 calories. 
just for the wings. Yeah, it's not surprising. So what what we have here, obviously, a healthier alternative. Yeah, so I took, um, I did a three-breading station procedure to make the buffalo cauliflower. In the first uh, bucket bowl, I had some seasoned um, gluten-free all-purpose flour. Mm-hmm. And then in the second bowl, I had a Bob's Red Mills um, egg replacer, just made really watery. And in the third one, I took cornflakes that I snatched in two billion pieces and put some smoked paprika in there. So um, then I just did, you know, one dry hand, one wet hand. You kind of make sure that you bread them nice and you distribute the crusts and everything and then you place them on the baking sheet and then you bake them at 450 degrees for about 10 minutes flip them over do the other side for 10 minutes and then they're done that's awesome i don't know if you can hear outside (laughs) the the vultures are circling you know because you made that they saw you wheel that into the studio and they're like (laughs) I'm going to get me some of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really important to make them crispy. Yeah. yeah. And, and and so you were actually telling me real quick before we take the taste test here, uh, which, of course, is the ultimate barometer, mm-hmm. uh, that you can make these ahead of time if you're having that Super Bowl party, and then there's a way to reheat them and keep it crispy. Yes, yes. So I exactly did that uh, for this recipe. I made them actually yesterday, and then before you know coming in today, I actually just threw them under the broiler at a high temperature, but I kept my eyes on them, uh-huh. making sure that they just browned up just right. And then before plating it, that's when you toss it with the sauce. And the sauce, again, is made of? This This buffalo sauce is equal parts hot sauce and a quarter of an avocado. No butter? No butter. <laughs> and it turns the right color orange. I, it really does. <laughs> I, you know, for the benefit of the people that are, are watching this on, on film here, you need to understand that I hope that the camera does it justice. This looks exactly like the buffalo sauce that you would get in a restaurant. I mean, right down to the color. The avocado mm-hmm. didn't tint it at yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah, and it tastes like it, so. Oh, well, so now that's exactly <laughs> what we're about to find. I'll be the judge of that. That's it. Oh, wow. That is silly good. Spicy. Mm. But I love the spice. I'm crunching. Yeah. Um, that's good breading. And you can't even tell this is cauliflower. <laughs> right. There could be anything in there, but it's a vegetable. That, I mean, that's what you got to love is being... Uh, a registered dietitian slash culinary whiz kid uh, is that being a vegan, like you can really get creative in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. This is just another example. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so uh, prep time, cook time, how much uh, time are people going to invest when they make this? Oh, well, I cut some time on this recipe by using the pre-cut cauliflower florets instead of cutting the whole thing from the head itself. Mm-hmm. I would say that I probably give it a good hour. That's it? Mm-hmm. Start to finish. Start to finish, yeah. And how long do you actually put these guys in the oven? Uh, just about 25 minutes. You know, it's 10 minutes uh, on one side and then 10 minutes on the other. Uh, but, you know, you want to kind of just give it extra five just to <laughs> estimate your time. You also made a ranch dressing here. Mm-hmm, yeah. I can't have buffalo wings without, you know, the the hot sauce and then the ranch. So... This ranch dressing is a first-time recipe for me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to play with silken tofu. Ooh. So I just took a package of the silken tofu, and I blended it up with the juice of a lemon, and I added um, onion dip mix. So three ingredients, mm-hmm. and that's it? Yep. Wow. 
That tastes just like ranch. Yes. And this is your first time making that? Yep. Three yeah. ingredients. Yep. That came together very quickly and is very good. Even my wife could do this. She burns mm-hmm. water when she tries to boil it. So this is this is fantastic. This is all non-cooking style cooking for the making these sauces. Just need a blender. But this is just out of this world and something that anybody really can serve at their Super Bowl party. Mm-hmm. So Allie, the registered dietitian from the Barnard Medical Center, thank you so very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Oh, definitely. And you're on the Instagram too, are you not? Yes, I have an Instagram, and it's uh, the Little Green Pea. There you go. Give it a follow. I'm sure you'll find more fun recipes like this on there. And of course, pcrm.org/podcast. Well, that was a heck of a show. It's astounding what people are able to do to fuel their athletic performance. But think about what this means, not just for them, but for the rest of us. You know, an athlete needs good oxygenation of their muscles so they can be at the top of their game and so that their recovery can be sped up. But you know what? You need blood flow too, to your muscles, to your brain. So a healthy plant-based diet is good, not just for the top athlete, but for everybody else. And the way I think of this is your car. You're not going to put diesel in a car that needs unleaded. And your body wasn't built for diesel either. Your body was built for a healthy plant-based diet. And uh, that's a tip that uh, you can take with you to the grocery store and to the kitchen. It's going to help you throughout your life. So, great show. Thanks for being with us today. <laughs>